0: You are listening to The Real Men Feel Show with your hosts, Andy Grant and Apio Hunter. Real Men Feel is all about encouraging men to allow and express all of their emotions. Despite what you may have been taught, all emotions do serve you. Real Men Feel is committed to opening up discussions that most men aren't having. But you certainly don't need to be a man to join us. The Real Men Feel podcast is produced live every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern for your growth and enjoyment. You can find more information about the Real Men Feel movement at realmenfeel.org. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or subscribe on iTunes by visiting realmenfeel.org iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at realmenfeel.org and at facebook.com slash realmenfeelshow. All links mentioned in each episode are in the show notes found on the blog at realmenfeel.org. This is a weekly program, and your comments, feedback, and participation are welcome during the live show and anytime in the Facebook group, on Twitter, or at realmenfeel.org. Now, let's get into this week's show. Hello, 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 and welcome to Real Men Feel. This is your host, me, Andy Grant, in the flesh. Well, not really. I mean, I'm I'm in my flesh. You're in your flesh, and all is well with the world, right? <laughs> Today we're diving into episode 53, which probably uh, brings our recent string of sex-related shows to a conclusion. But one never knows. And uh, speaking of sexual-related things never coming to conclusion, I welcome my friend to go. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Wow, that's a great segue. <laughs> yeah, I've been known to stretch things out for a while.
0: So. Hi, hi, good, good way to spin. You know, I was I was telling Apio earlier. I always like try to like you know, I I just wing, I, I plan a little bit, wing it to try these intros a little bit different, but always segue into him without too much offense.
1: nope (laughs) and he's known me long enough and well enough (laughs) to roll with all of it
0: and it's another fine example of yeah roll with it absolutely (laughs) yeah duck and cover right whatever's coming your way
1: (laughs) sometimes i'll just face it head on
0: (laughs) before i introduce our returning guest i want to share some recent reviews of the show First, thank you, Andy and Apio, for doing this simple thing from your heart, which is actually a great service to the world. Whether you know it or not, keep talking from your hearts. I love Real Men Feels' perspective on what it means to be a man. This show is highly recommended. And finally, Andy and Apio are doing a great public service for the males in Western culture. They are bringing so much wisdom to the table. Wow. Hmm. Wow. So I, I, I did that to encourage you, yes, you, faithful listener or first-time listener to post a review, to give your feedback. Wherever you're listening to this, share what you thought of it. And I do it to remind myself that this is worth doing. And it takes a lot of work to put on the weekly show. And this week especially, it felt like a lot of work. So that's why I wanted to pause and share those reviews and, uh, you know, give me a boost, give Apio a boost, give all of our previous guests, all future guests, all past listeners, everyone a boost of how, how awesome this is!
2: There. How awesome you are! Yes.
0: <laughs> so, uh, with all that out of the way, did you want to say something, Apio?
1: Uh, other than my my heart overfloweth right now. <laughs> cool. Cool. Cool.
0: Well, there. That's the great segue. Speaking of hearts overflowing, I would like to introduce and welcome once again international touring escort and sex workers' rights advocate Miss Kimberly Klein.
2: hello Hello. thanks for having me again very good and and where in the world are you today today i'm in salt lake city utah
1: just a few miles from me we'll go yeah
0: (laughs) so possible post-show hookup yes (laughs) yes
1: for coffee or dinner (laughs)
0: yes
1: (laughs) she'll get to meet my husband so
2: perfect
0: so kimberly was just with us uh two three weeks ago Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. And we wanted to do uh, kind of an open Q&A and give people a chance to, you know, ask you anything. And I think I teased it last week, like, ask your favorite meatloaf recipe or, you know, whatever. It doesn't have to be <laughs> related to being an escort. And um, I, so I, I did not get any recipes. I have not seen those requests. But but we do have we do have some. We've got some in the chat people have uh, planned already. I've got a list of people, um, of questions from people. Yay! So... Do, do you want to just dive in, or do you kind of? Let's want just
2: to? dive in, yeah.
0: All right, super. Well, let's start with what's in the chat here. So, um, I think these are some, some from some from some some wow from some friends of yours. <laughs> Great. So, people always ask about the weirdest things you do in sex work, which is such an ignorant type of question. But I want to know about the unexpected things you need to learn as a sex worker, including the business aspects.
2: Um, Unexpected things. So that's going to vary depending on, you know, the kind of sex work that you do. As an independent worker, um, there's a lot of correspondence. And it's not so much that I had to learn how to do the correspondence, it's that um, you have to create a rhythm. You need to either have administrative skills or be able to develop administrative skills. And those administrative skills are going to consume far more of your life than the actual sex work. Hmm. Um, so, like the amount of hours spent on planning marketing, um, doing the marketing, and then like filtering through the contacts you get because of your marketing that all consumes far more time than the fun sexy stuff Um, so I think that's probably what's most unexpected now that's not true if you go and work at a brothel in Nevada What you have to learn there is how to keep yourself occupied in a productive and healthy way while you're waiting around. (laughs) They create an environment there that is not easy to be healthy or productive, um, depending on what productive means to each of us. To me, um, any minute, if I am at work, any minute that I'm not like with a man who's paying me, I wanna be doing something else like phone sex or, um, or, working on my my independent marketing or doing whatever else, um, some of the brothels will allow you to do that kind of work. Um, One brothel that I went to where they ended up not allowing me to work as a legal prostitute, but I did stay there for a few days and they allowed me to dance in this strip club that was like affiliated with the club. So. That's one way to pass the time and keep making money.
0: <laughs> so it's funny. I, I, a lot of what you share about the correspondence and the admin scales and the marketing taking more time than the sex, you know, that rings very true to to coaching, which me and be both yes with. But but unfortunately, I just can't go dance in the coaching shop next door as I'm waiting for clients. But maybe I can build on those. <laughs> yeah, totally, oh, totally. Dare,
1: dare I share my story about the month that I spent actually? working in a strip club in
2: Tampa. In where Tampa? <laughs> Tampa,
0: yes. Well, well, let's go. You can't tease it and then uh, withdraw
2: you Okay, so away for a
1: Absolutely. So, no, back then I actually did um, a very brief stint. It was about a month. Uh, I I was in much better shape back then. Much, much better shape. And uh, the whole thing just was kind of an accident when I when a friend of mine dragged me to a show that he wanted to go to one of his favorite porn stars was just doing a show there so he dragged me there well inadvertently i ended up becoming a rather popular myself because some folks started groping me and it just <laughs> anyway there ended up being a line of people who just wanted to come and grope me and then pay me just to grope me
0: so <laughs> So is is there a term for that i don't know because you weren't, you, weren't, you weren't stripping you weren't well you were dancing <laughs> you're an exotic gropey. i
1: i well i i went ahead and just did did it for for like a month just for fun i mean it was like only four weekends and it was just one of those things like oh what the hell why not so anyway, yeah, that's that's this, the the very short version of how I ended up doing it for a month because the 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 bar owner he was you know the little pub owner rather he thought it was just the most hilarious thing and he's like dude you know why don't you give it a try I'm like okay why not <laughs> so that's how the whole thing went down
0: so you danced for a month
1: I did
0: I, I have to say
1: I had that's great I had, yeah. I had I had a blast I really really did and this is the first time I've ever admitted to it in public. So.
0: Yay! We love breaking boundaries. <laughs> right? Sex work confessions.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah indeed. Awesome.
0: awesome. All right, so, oh, gosh. Um, uh, the, the next question we have from the chat room is, I'm interested in the counseling work that you do. Many, people think, folks, many people think folks must be damaged to get into sex work but I find the isolation and societal shunning is what causes the most problems. Not really a direct question, but please discuss.
2: Yes, um, I would agree. The the isolation and social shunning are certainly um, the sources. They're, they're not only the source of us as the sex workers struggling to find community and find belonging and feel whole, um, but those attitudes are the same attitudes that motivate serial killers to target us. That it's, it's, it's the isolation and the social shunning that, you know, make police not investigate the murders of sex workers. Um, so, you know, the, the feeling like society hates you is not helpful, <laughs> ever. Right. Um, but also, like, You know this does come up it's like you know especially when I was younger I'd feel like I'd have to be like I'm not damaged like look at my life this is like a conscious decision that I made it works for me Um, and responding that way really eliminated my ability to own and work on resolving issues that I do have because I don't believe there's any person on this planet that isn't damaged particularly if they were raised in America like we're really sick. Like (laughs) if you get to leave the country um, you can see that um, that there's something that that mental illness is really a problem in this country and the things that are considered a baseline for normal are actually very sick, not healthy. So we're all striving to appear socially acceptable on the surface in ways that are really really unhealthy and we're not doing the work to like honor and grow from any damage that we do have so um, within sex work I've had opportunities to explore like abandonment issues and daddy issues and um, coping with the mental health effects of growing up in poverty Um, you know to deny that I had any of those things would not make sex work a whole and complete experience for me and regardless of the money it's you know less satisfactory to me to not get to also do that other work because sex work is potent and it's an opportunity for people on both sides of the transaction to embrace things that maybe there aren't spaces for in other areas of our lives
0: so so even from the professional end from from that aspect you are you are engaged in 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 healing and release and it it benefits you it's it's not just a professional bank teller role or something
2: um yeah in some ways or it triggers things that are hard for me and i need to go seek out my own counseling and coaching to work on them
0: (laughs) okay so it's not as if you're like Please, Mr. X, my client, help me deal with my abandonment issues right now that are showing up. No,
2: no, I never talk to them about it. I never impose those things on them. These are things that really have occurred to me through um, introspection and work um, that I do with professional therapists and coaches, um, you know, uh, to, to really be aware of these things for me so far, it's happening a lot in retrospect. It's not like in the moment these things are happening for me. (laughs) Um, you know, one of the therapists, um, after, after I had the baby and I decided I wanted to get back into sex work, I went to a therapist who was very sex positive and I talked to her about how, you know, I get so much joy from this work. This work makes me really happy and making my clients happy and getting the reciprocal like good feelings that they get, you know, um, that, you know, I really missed that and I was concerned that there's something wrong with me because of how much I like the sex work and how like it's not just about the money and you know, like, is am I like, is there something pathologically wrong with me because I enjoy the attention I get from my clients? Um, and this therapist was so awesome. She was like, your issue is that you don't want to let yourself feel good because there's absolutely nothing wrong with having a job that pays well that makes you happy that you draw satisfaction from and I was like yeah but you know someday I'm gonna to have to stop I'm gonna to be too old to do this and then what like I'm gonna have no love in my life because I don't have clients anymore um, and she's like okay so actually that's the real issue we're here to work on like like you want to get back into work let's just go ahead and remove whatever barriers there are to that and then let's talk on like the lar- larger existential Level of like, what happens after sex work? <laughs> um, and I spent a year doing just that with her, and like getting myself. To, she was a very expensive therapist, so I had to get into sex work right away after our first session, so I could keep going. <laughs> right. <laughs> so is that a payment
0: option I should mention to clients?
2: Uh, well, I wasn't doing a trade. I was out doing sex right. work and then paying so like, yeah, cash. If, yeah. Right. <laughs> if, you,
0: if you want coaching, and can't afford it. Try explore sex work. Right?
2: There you go. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. A lot of my sex work money goes to therapy I think I said that last
1: time yeah. <laughs> I, I do remember you mentioning that but, you know, it's fascinating. also the conversations that I've had with other friends of mine who are actual therapists every single one of them to a T says that a good therapist has a therapist of their own
2: oh yeah oh absolutely <laughs> I would never pay money to someone who's not investing in in that and when I first meet with a counselor or coach I ask them about what kind of work they're doing um, um, so often because the work they're doing is of an advanced level that i might be ready for next after i'm done working with them too um and that's been really helpful giving me some guideposts toward um modalities that are benefiting these people that i trust and respect so,
0: so some of what you shared there touches on a couple of questions so questions well, i got were uh is there an age that escorts have to retire and and what happens <laughs> after this like you know, is, do you do you have your retirement fund? Are are there sex workers in their you know sixties and
2: seventies
0: or how's that play out?
2: There absolutely are sex workers in their sixties and seventies. One of my best friends in the world worked; she was about sixty five. Um, I have friends who are in their fifties uh, still working, and um, I've got friends who are like me. I'm I'm thirty six right now. My friends who are kind of like thirty eight, thirty nine, forty. You know, they're on the cusp of something different and um, trying to figure out, like, you know, how is my business going to change with the seasons of my life if I want to stay in it? Um, And I really trust the opinions and the feedback of women who've done this work longer than me. That's not always the case. A lot of women in this business are like, oh, well, if you've been around for 10 years, you're an irrelevant dinosaur. A lot of that we get from our peers. Um clients like women over 30. There's an entire category on every advertising site for mature. They really want you to be mature in personality and they want you to look a particular way. But marketing, the work as an escort is multidimensional. And in person you might seem more attractive than you seem two-dimensionally on a website. And this is a challenge that I'm personally facing. Um, you know, a lot of escort marketing is based on photographs and I personally don't feel that I do photographs well. So this is like a huge emotional barrier for me and my marketing. I hate taking pictures. I hate being in front of the camera. Ten years ago I loved it. And you know what? Ten years ago, as an escort, I could do one photo shoot a year and it was sufficient. But now the market is so oversaturated, you have to be taking selfies every five minutes and posting them on social media to stay relevant. That's a lot of pressure for older workers. Um, I don't want to put on makeup every day and take selfies. (laughs) Um, So women that I know who are older than me have said things to me like, um, you're not going to make it past 40 unless you get liposuction and a boob job. They have told me things like um, eating pasta is not worth being poor when you're old. Um, they have said things to me like, um, see, and so much of what girls say to each other has a lot more to do with validating themselves and making themselves feel better. But, you know, there's just been a lot of pressure to tell me that I am less high-class than other girls I think it's just something shitty that girls do to each other but like the stuff about the plastic surgery is really sticking with me I'm thinking okay I'm 36 can I keep doing photos without a boob job like how many more freaking photo shoots am I gonna do and just feel shitty about You know, the liposuction stuff, the having like a MILF body, which is like in porn, in MILF, MILF doesn't even mean that you're beautiful and curvaceous. MILF means that you're past 28. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) like my friend who worked until she was 65, I just spoke to her on the phone the other day. And I told her about how, like, I'm working out five days a week, and I've lost so much weight, and, like, I'm wearing a totally different size. And she was just like, yeah, that's the Kimberly I know and love. Like, I have been told repeatedly that I'm not skinny enough. <laughs> and I just keep getting skinnier. I'm <laughs> still not skinny enough.
0: But, but So um, who's, who's telling you that? Other Other girls, but
2: also I was. I just got out of a two year long relationship with a man who was kind of always reminding me that other girls, you know, I might, I maybe need to charge less than other girls because of my age and size. Um, I was just kind of like, Well, why are you with me? Like, you can pay someone else, obviously. Like, you could go find a perfect, skinny, yes, girl, but you want me for some reason. Um, I'm feeling so much better about my body since I got out of that relationship, though. I mean, I did spend two years losing <laughs> losing some weight, but um. So, so was yeah. Is, was that a personal relationship or a client relationship, or both? Do they blur? That one in particular blurred. Oh because um, oh, that—that's a question. You, I knew that was going to be a question, so we'll like, go into that later. Yeah. Right. So, but the body image stuff, like coming <clears throat> back into the business after I had my baby, the number one thing that held me back was feeling shitty about my weight. Um. I currently, uh, you know, I, right now I have a situation where I see a lot of regulars. My repeat clients are are definitely like my bread and butter. So, currently I have a small cluster of people who really appreciate me. Mm -hmm. And when I started cutting out some of the people who are negative toward me, those people started coming in more. So for me, it's been this process of like, okay, I am not a 27 year old skinny blonde anymore. Like that was a phase of my life. I made so much more money during that phase of my life. I had a baby, I darkened my hair, I wear a different size now and business got slower you know it's it's steadily getting better um, especially because I like I don't know that being the certified counselor really makes a difference in the sex work business but a lot of what's happening is people who think oh I wouldn't hire a sex worker see what I'm doing and are like oh I see how counseling offered in a, a a sexual encounter can change things. So um I've done a lot of work to attract people who aren't just looking for a particular body type. And that's how I'm managing aging in this business. <laughs> because um, you know, I haven't eaten pasta in a really long time. I took what that escort said to me to heart. Wow. And I wanna eat pasta again. Like that's one of my goals in life is to <laughs>
0: Before you're Not 65. have
2: taking these pictures for my website be more of a priority than enjoying a nice plate of pasta.
1: <laughs> we actually have a couple of guests here, and one of them, a, a, a very great comment. In fact, I'll go ahead and unmute you, oh, like so you can make that observation because it's a great observation Yay! chat. So go ahead.
3: Hi Kimberly. <laughs> it's Rick. Um, Hi Rick. <laughs> oh hi (laughs) i uh just wanted to say that as an older client uh and somebody who has had the opportunity to enjoy time with you um i think older clients are more attracted to a connection than just a bang okay um yeah you you specifically uh encourage and nurture that connection and when you get somebody who's older like me uh the connection is very easy to make um i do not think that you're not skinny enough at all um i do not think that you Shouldn't eat pasta if you don't want. It. <laughs> you know, I mean. I'm with you there. You know,
2: I, mean, I don't want to be poor when I'm old. Really, <laughs> like the way that she phrased that
3: really got to me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't really. I will honestly say that if that, and I'm going to be very callous about this. If you gain five or ten pounds, I wouldn't give a shit. Okay. Thank you. Um, <laughs> you, you know, it's I. I have found that. Again, you particularly are very uh, are very open to connection, and we connected in a whole bunch of different ways, Uh, and it was wonderful. And next time it'll be wonderful too.
2: Thank you. That's so nice. Thank you. I really appreciate that.
3: No problem. Yeah. Thanks very much for sharing sharing
0: that perspective. That's really. uh, cool and and brave and I, I i i i really want to thank you for sharing here
1: thank you so much and we've been having some other great comments here in the question in the, in, in the uh chat as well I'm kind of like losing my my mind here trying to keep up with it in some points so so cool i know it's been great it's been absolutely wonderful Lori made a couple of wonderful uh observations as she always does whenever she joins us in the chat you know one of the observations that she made is that absolutely beauty comes from the inside the more confident you are the more appealing you are and i have seen that myself yeah so many times it's that confident i mean how many times when you know just guys who are jealous of like the you know the the, the guy who has the trophy girlfriend or something like that and we look at him we're like oh, what is so appealing it's because it's yeah. so i mean just oozes confidence so you know sending the money aside, (laughs) you know, it's, it's a confidence that can be very, very appealing for sure. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Some other comments here that we have, uh, let's see here. Um, that was really, that was one of the most, uh, one of the better ones that I, that we've we've had in here. There's a, there's a great conversation going on. So Andy, let's turn it over to you for the next. Should I open
2: up the chat? (laughs) All right. So
0: we've got a, uh... No, that'll just distract you, Kimberly. You stay
2: focused. Yeah, I think so. Okay, yeah. It's just I'm, a pasta okay. recipe
0: over there. you don't <laughs> <laughs> But uh, so let, let's jump into some – so I thought this was an intriguing one. If you had a daughter, would you recommend becoming an escort?
2: Absolutely. You know, I've, so I don't have a daughter. Um, and uh, I don't really feel one way or another about it. I'm stoked about having a son, and if it was a girl, I would have been just as happy. But uh, uh, if I had a daughter, I used to say if I have a daughter, she's going to have gymnastics class and learn Arabic very early. Um, although now I think I might say Chinese instead of Arabic. I knew a girl who used to split her time between um, the United United Arab Emirates and, the U.S. and she made a lot of money because she spoke Arabic Mm -hmm. so um, yeah I used to say like if I have a daughter I'm going to ensure that she's got she really knows her body through like gymnastics for example and that she can speak a money-making language Um, because those are things that I can instill in her regardless of what her educational choices are later like these, these are skills that she'll be able to just use when she feels like it um, so, you know, I would encourage her to go work in Australia. Um, I would encourage her to go work in places that make it safe to be a sex worker instead of a place like America that just wants sex workers to suffer because they're trapped in weird pathological thinking about sex.
0: <laughs> well, good. Cause all right, that leads to, so someone else asked, <laughs> yeah. is this dangerous work and are you ever scared?
2: I've had moments where I was really scared. Um, my very first week of work, I had a condom break. My very first week of work, I had a man who, um, you know, um, he was angry that I wanted to use a condom for oral sex, and he wanted to kind of force himself into my mouth without a condom. Um, <clears throat> and I was kind of able to overpower him and just get away. And um, I managed to get to my front door and just open it and be like, you need to get out, and um, like my like protect myself mechanisms just like kicked in and scared the shit out of him. Um, The same guy assaulted another girl that I know, and um, yeah, so that was a really scary moment. The like broken condom was a really scary moment. and even after those things happening, my very first week of working, I was 23, 24, I was almost 24, um, I was like, I have found my calling. Like, I had, like, two problematic incidences out of, like, ten come to Jesus experiences. You know what I mean? I was like, this is my calling. Now that I've had this experience with the physically mean guy and now that I've had this experience with the broken condom, I know how to prevent those things. So it was almost like those things were supposed to happen in the least consequential way possible so that I could be like, oh, I'm aware of the risks, I can take some steps to reduce them, but you know that doesn 't mean that it 's never a problem. I um, recently spent time with a woman who who um, she is experienced enough you know in this business she 's not too new um, she 's mature and she was assaulted in her hotel room by somebody who wanted to rob her, so she was not sexually assaulted but um you know just at a hotel where like you kind of feel like at a hotel there's people around and you're safe-ish but this person got assaulted by somebody who had a gun and some mace and um she's what she's what is considered a privileged sex worker it's often thought that um the violence is targeted upon the least advantaged sex workers and that's absolutely true in terms of numbers that Predators and thieves and and rapists are opportunists. They look for people they can target and get away with it and so unfortunately um, poor women, women who are drug addicts, women who are based on street economies, um, they're targets because people feel like they can get away with harming them. People who are seeking large amounts of cash, though, they're they going to target particular girls in particular ways. And uh, the way that it happened to this woman was very formulaic. Um, mm-hmm. And it was recent. It was not like a few years ago. It was a few months ago. And, so, And,
0: um, and since, since being paid for sex is illegal… I think you shared in the last show that yeah you you can't go to the police for help if if you was a sex worker or a victim of some other crime if they just never
2: she didn't even entertain it for one minute, yeah no she uh you know she suffered, she went through what she went through, he got out, and she was happy to still have her life and um It it never even, she just told me this, it never even occurred to her that she would call for help. Like, There's no way. In this scenario, every single time, without fail, a sex worker calls for help, and the police say, well, if you want us to to pursue this, we're going to have to charge you, too. (sighs) I want to also point out that there was this situation where a woman named Heather in West Virginia, um, somebody specifically targeted her with the intention of killing her. She was able to get the gun away from him and kill him with his own gun. This is a white woman in West Virginia. The local police treated her extremely sympathetically, and that's the only reason she's not in jail right now. Same thing has happened with a black woman, and I I believe she's in Chicago. Um, Alicia Walker, I believe is her name, and she's in jail right now same thing happened somebody tried to stab her she got the knife out of his hand and stabbed him and now she is in jail for defending herself the laws are always racist like our entire criminal justice system is designed to to punish people or let people get away and it's based on race and so Black sex workers are not only at risk while they're at work, they're constantly at risk from police on a level that I don't face. My girlfriend who got robbed a couple of months ago doesn't face it. Like So the dangers faced by by sex workers of color and sex workers who depend on street economies are exponential compared to what I face.
0: It's amazing that, and I never thought of this, that that white privilege even goes into you know, illegal ventures. It, it's it's at every strata, it's in everything.
2: It is so big in this industry. There's like, you know, there are issues with people saying, I don't see black men or, you know, things like that. Like men are always asking me, I'm black, is that okay? And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? And like, I just need to say it on my website and seeing people write about it. Like you need to like say explicitly, I am anti-racist. Like. Because it's not enough that the people who are racist say I don't see black men in their ads. Like we need to make ourselves stand out as people who are anti-racist. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to make some changes to my website soon to address that.
1: Yeah. I like that. You know, there's, there's an a couple of interesting comments here in the chat. One of them is you know going back to the assault and the rape is that they aren't taken taken seriously even for non-sex workers either, which you know brings up a point that Rose brought up earlier, which was you know safety for sex workers really assists safety for everybody. Yes. And, yes.
2: and this is what makes me so frustrated about feminists right now. It's like they support these laws that arrest the men that we consent to have sex with because they pay us. They call those men traffickers and rapists. But when we do report sexual assault, our credibility is taken into question. The police tell us that they have to charge us if, they, if we want to press charges against our, the person who assaulted us. Um, they don't believe us when we say we've been raped, but when we consent to sex with other adult men, they call those men rapists and traffickers. It's so frustrating to me. You
1: know, that's means- backward. Another question. I know, have you known of any sociological studies, the, um, that social science studies, that have looked at the whole dynamic of consensual sex work and how that affects opinion in society as a well? whole? Because I've been looking for some stuff like that. I haven't seen any studies. Are, do, are you aware of any studies that have been done about that?
2: You're, are you saying about social attitudes in places where it's already decriminalized?
1: Not just that, but just you no, know, that that dynamic of you know how the feminists are you know targeting the men because the men are you know traffickers and rapists and everything else, when you know, they don't take into account that, that oftentimes this as you pointed out there's this consensual, you know. Transaction which is taking place. How can, you know, where those societies come from, you know, and not societies, where those social social attitudes come from? I love that distraction in the background. Awesome. Sorry. I
2: wasn't sure if Uh, you could hear it.
1: (laughs) No, you're good. You're good. (laughs) I wasn't even paying attention to it at first. And then just as I was wrapping up my question, I'm like, oh, okay, that's awesome. (laughs) No, you're good. So, I mean, have you, are you aware of any, I mean, being an advocate, I'm sure that you look at a lot of different studies, you look at a lot of different things, so I'm kind of curious. About.
2: I want to admit, as an advocate, that there are, there are so many different pieces of advocacy that need to be done, mm-hmm. and there are people out there who have the disposition to read through studies, and they do valuable work that's not me (laughs) the studies are out there I read news articles about the stories so that some journalist has basically read through it and then translated it for me Um, I would guess that you know when it comes to stop when it comes to Sex worker led research, or at least like sex worker approved research that is like non exploitative. I would look to um, the Scarlet Alliance in Australia, their website has like so much good data, and um, their work is. It spans multiple states where they have decriminalization, legalization, and total criminalization in, in I, I in I think Australia has five different states and five completely different regulatory systems. Hmm. So they are who I look to when I need to find general information and research and stuff like that. Fascinating. Cool. All
0: right. So to uh, so get back some of our submitted questions earlier and this was touched on earlier so we're coming back to it Not get you're not getting off the hook um, do you ever have clients fall in love with you?
2: Yes yeah
0: and is is that a good bad or indifferent thing when it happens?
2: Um, it's neutral it's always neutral and then in each case you either make it negative or positive based on your decisions and actions yeah <laughs> um i have very loving relationships with my clients um one of my very first clients said to me some people fall in love for a lifetime and some people fall in love for a couple hours at a time and i was like yeah that's totally me um so that's kind of been a value that i look at and um I think I told you once that, like, I was never the best stripper, but I was, like, the happiest to be there. And, like, that's why people liked me. That's why people gave me money. Like, I could not spin around a pole, but I was so happy. I loved that job. And um, and in my sessions, it's really similar. Like, it's not like a party environment where I'm bouncing around, like, yay, this is the best ever. Um, but metaphorically, I'm doing that with my energy and my undivided attention and to me this is a very loving act and people can be overwhelmed with emotion because receiving somebody's undivided attention is often rare and um, so people feel stuff and it's awesome and so um, those who are brave enough to express it to me You know, I've always said, like, you know, our sessions together are a space where we can openly express that and let it flow and everything else, Um, and I'm okay with that being reciprocal here. And let's just be very clear that outside of our sessions, like this, does not have a bearing on my life.
0: Okay, so you can. And if it fall has in a l-
2: bearing on your life outside of the sessions. I hope it's a positive one.
0: <laughs> so it's, you, you're allow, you're allowing to fall in love, to use the term, and but you have boundaries as well.
2: Yes. Cool. Yes.
0: So it's not because I just think of uh, I think it was Pretty Women. You know, don't kiss someone on the lips. You don't want to get emotionally attached, right? Was that from Pretty Women?
2: Uh that was from Pretty Woman, among other things. Um
0: And that was a documentary.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, true to form, yeah.
0: <laughs> do 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 a lot of people come to you with, with the notion of glamorized or de-glamorized versions of, of sex workers and escorts and kind of expect something from the movies and
2: uh maybe on some level. I think in particular what they expect is a lower intellect. Like when when guys have actually expressed something that surprises them, that tends to be the category it falls into. Um, You're so intelligent, you're so put together, you're so like normal. Um, One guy who I saw very regularly about 10 years ago um, I used to live in a small desert town, and um, it was a really good town for regulars, and um, you know, I had a lot of very loving relationships with guys who saw me once every couple weeks, and um, this guy in particular, he was mature, um, close to 70 probably, um, and he was Catholic, um, pretty pretty deep into Catholicism for his entire life, and he didn't start seeing sex workers until after he was 60. And I was like the second girl he ever met. And um, he had said, you know, we learned growing up, and I always believed that women like you are, you know, bad. Like like there is something wrong with you. And you have taught me that, you know, I I have cut myself off from being connected because I believed those things and you've proven that wrong um and you know sometimes I think they think they're being complimentary where they're like oh you're so unique and different than everyone else because you're intelligent together neat you know whatever the case may be that is like a reflection of well I thought that sex workers were dumb and scattered and dirty (laughs) you know like um and i'm always like actually there are lots of women just like me i'm not that unique um because i don't like that i don't like the um i want to dispel the myths that they hold about all of us not just be like the one golden girl that they think is different than everyone else because I'm different, but (laughs) I'm not the only intelligent put together woman who chose this business because it's the right choice.
0: So is there one biggest myth you run into most often?
2: Well, probably the biggest thing, there's like a, a, a category of biggest things. It's like, does your boyfriend know? Or do you even have a boyfriend? Do your parents know? Like there's always an assumption that we can't have romantic relationships outside of this work and an assumption that we're keeping what we do a secret from everybody who cares about us and that's true for a lot of people both of those things are true for some of us Um, both of these things are true for a lot of us for some period of time and then it shifts dating is really hard I have found that dating is really hard whether you're in this business or not. I don't know how to say if dating for me as a sex worker is really that much harder for any intelligent woman in this country. <laughs> a man for if, that if you...
1: matter. It's true. Dating is this hard, period.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, there's a lot of settling that goes on because, mm-hmm. uh, we don't know how to communicate about what we want. Um, so to loop that back into an earlier question um, about do clients ever fall in love, um, you know, doing online sex work is a lot like online dating except that when you, you know, you set up your filters on OkCupid or whatever and like you still have a bunch of people you don't really want to meet contacting you. <laughs> but through sex work, it's like with a paywall where they have to pay at least for the initial introductory meeting. Um, this makes online dating so much more worthwhile for women. It's like less of a waste of our time. So um, when I meet clients, and like I said, I mean I don't have the kind of traffic I had when I was in my twenties. So really easy for me to manage these relationships now in new ways and and they are relationships for me Um, so when I meet people online it's more or I meet them in person after meeting them online and if that becomes a regular thing then now they're kind of becoming like part of my extended polyamorous circle of partners Um, and for me as someone who's poly who's like really educated on being poly, um, really clear about communication and setting boundaries with my partners, like, that all totally works for me. I think that newer sex workers, younger sex workers, and individual people who just really want things to stay categorically separate in their lives I don't think that this is a perspective that works for them i think it's maybe a perspective that is helpful because it's like oh that might be something that i'll evolve to eventually because it's something that i evolved to i didn't come into the business like that i came into the business like those are clients i'm a worker outside of work i do this particular kind of dating with these particular kind of guys who are disappointing disrespectful not particularly good in bed um guys in my personal life have always treated me worse than my clients (laughs) it's just like okay well i'm done with dating but i will continue to meet men through sex work and if something about that man is appealing to me outside of business then i might be willing to reduce my rate and see him more regularly but um see him for free without money is pretty much a no ever because for me the money is not just about income that I need to pay bills men don't value or appreciate anything that they don't have to work for or make some kind of sacrifice for Mm -hmm. and right now money is the only thing that really measures up Um, so yeah it's really interesting so like you asked about that other person like there was definitely a blurred line where like this person I had a professional relationship with over years Um, emotions and feelings developed on both sides um, that drove a desire to spend more time together really is what it was and it was like okay well what how can we make it possible to spend more time together and it changed the way that the professional dynamic looked um but it never really stopped being, you know, like, I think I would do it differently this time. It would have to, it would, things would have to be different. I'm not sure what. I'm still doing some reflection on that, but um, I definitely don't regret it. I definitely don't think that it was detrimental or toxic. It was just another experimental relationship <clears throat> that I had with someone I respect.
0: So, so even with your your screening, your connecting online before meeting in person. Are there still situations where someone wants to do something that that crosses a line for you?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I get asked a lot for bareback services, bareback oral and bareback um, vaginal sex. Um, So I just have to say no to that and, you know, realize that guy's never coming back and just be fine with that. Um,
0: So does that mean there are some sex workers that that they were desperate enough or they raised a fee and that's fine with them?
2: I think it has to do with desperation and needing money most of the time. Unfortunately, I think also, you know, I went to high school in the 90s where we had really, really good sex education in California. Like they allowed Planned Parenthood to come on campus and give presentations in 2000 that stopped 2001 that stopped with George Bush you know it was all abstinence only education so there's now a new generation of sex workers who never had adequate safe sex education they never got it and they're doing bareback services
3: it's
2: bad news like they're doing bareback full service and stuff and um they're not informed (laughs) they're not informed because i really think because the thing is when you're 23 25 there is as much business as you want out there. You don't have to compromise yourself. There is so much business out there when you're that age. There's lots of guys, and they're all happy to do it with a condom. You don't have to subject yourself to that. But they don't know, and they really need to be informed. And there's a really complicated thing happening with online sex work right now, where some of us are like, hey, so here are the facts about what all the diseases you can get through oral sex, not to mention vaginal sex, obviously. Mm-hmm. And there's a debate about whether us saying that those things to people is rude and classist. (laughs) I'm like, but isn't it more classist to like, let like people who have less access to information just go on doing what they're doing and risk their lives. Um, You know, one girl I talked to, like she asked me how long I've been working as an escort and I said 13 years. And she was like, Oh my God, I hope I can be in the business that long. And then we talked about her safe sex practices and I was like, The reason I've been in this business for this long is because I put a condom on everything. I haven't gotten to a point where I can't work because of my health. So I don't know, I think people need to hear these stories. I don't want to be discriminatory toward anyone. In places like Australia, where I went to work, I attended a New Workers Orientation where they were like, here's how to put on a condom with your mouth. I actually taught how to put condoms on with your mouth workshops uh, here, periodically.
0: Is that for college um, credit somewhere or?
2: <laughs> no, unfortunately, there's no credit <laughs> to be given for <laughs> this work. You just spend all your time hiding from the police and, of course, now with the new human trafficking laws, it would be a felony to teach other sex workers how to have safer sex. So. Um, we don't see the kind of education and services for sex workers here in America that we need to see. Um, The legal barriers are serious. There's everybody's out there doing business development, paying me to teach you how to be an escort, how to run an escort business, but none of them are talking about uncovered oral sex. And I mean whatever (laughs) if I were teaching someone how to get into this business that would be the first thing I talk about but you know that's just not a shared value
1: you know I have to jump up on my soapbox for a moment because so much of these these conversations that we're not having are so rooted in this fear-based dogmatic thing it's like if it's you know it's scripture so therefore it's truth anything that is not scripture is not truth and therefore should be ignored and no people's cling. To their dogma, they cling to that fear. They cling to it so much that it creates so many pressures and issues within society. It just it just makes my head want to explode. So now that I got off that soapbox, there's a, there are a couple of of um, you know great observations and, and questions that are popping up here in the chat. One of them, um, first of all, Rose happened to mention that the lack of sex education affects clients as well. And there's so much work and there's so much education that has to take place on the sex worker side to their clients. Now they have to educate them. Um, And it's like, yeah, I I can see that for sure. And 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 for clients
2: who just want a good time and not an education, mm
1: -hmm.
2: you know, that's hard for business.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, even even just non-sex work, sometimes you have to spend so much time educating clients that just have no idea what the business is like (laughs) it's just it's amazing how much that actually happens so um then the another question which uh, which came up was a question about screening how what does screening do even beyond safety
2: you know just like i was saying how men don't really appreciate things that they don't have to sacrifice for or pay for Mm -hmm. um the screening process is like like saying, here are some hoops you have to jump through in order to meet me, um, the guys who refuse to jump through the hoops just aren't worth seeing. Like maybe they're not a cop, maybe they don't want to rape me, um, maybe they're an awesome time for an hour, but um, if they don't want to cooperate with screening, then they don't respect me, like that's basically it. At the end of the day, they're either showing that they respect me or they don't and Mm -hmm. um, you know there's a lot of like oh I'm so important I can't give you my information all right well go see someone who Uh doesn't want your information Um, when those guys are forced to comply with my wishes by the time they get to the point of meeting me in person we've definitely established that I'm a person of equal standing and they must show me respect Um, Most guys come wanting to show respect. Most guys have a lot of reverence for us, but, you know, um, some guys definitely think that we're just here to service them at their convenience, and um, that's that. You know, all the news stories don't help. All the news stories that are like, oh my God, all the child trafficking on Backpage, uh, you know, these stories are telling the public, hey, there are these people here who aren't respected that you can treat badly. Um, so every time there's a news story about backpage, you know, everybody gets more traffic. Like all that they're doing is promoting sex work when they do these news stories about busting backpage. And with that flood of new eyeballs on the industry comes guys who have no manners, and they have to be trained.
0: So we when on your original show two weeks ago, there was, there was a comment on Real Men Feel. Yeah,
2: let's get to that.
0: Yeah. Good. So a comment is uh. It, there's a, I'm going to break it up. Um, so she said, Kimberly is a rare example of a prostitute who can make choices.
2: Nope.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nope what? You're not I rare? already said that. Yeah, All Right.
2: Like, there are lots of us who are intelligent and capable of making choices. Okay. This is a so, good choice for us.
0: In Germany, prostitution is legal, which is what Kimberly is working towards. They have nope. multi-floor brothels. The women work in an environment where they have no say with whom they have sex and which sex acts are involved. I don't call that true consent.
2: Okay. Well, first of all, no, I'm not advocating for legalization. I'm advocating for decriminalization. We also have legalization here in Nevada. In a nutshell, legalization means that the police still control the industry. It's regulated through criminal codes. The police decide who gets to be a legal sex worker and who remains a criminal. We do not want the police to be the gatekeepers of this industry. That doesn't work. It creates exploitation. It is not a good system. We want decriminalization. Now, I have never worked at a brothel in Germany. I don't think the person who's asking the question, who says we have multi-floor brothels where no one has a say, I assume that she doesn't work there either. And so for the sake of this conversation, we need to acknowledge that nobody here is an expert on german brothels because there's no german brothel worker here
0: Happy-o? nope okay. and yep, i just yep, want yep.
2: i want to be really <laughs> clear because people love to throw out these examples and be like oh these women over here are experiencing this thing well if you're serious about that why don't you bring one of those women forward and empower their voice instead of just speaking for them so i did work though in australia I worked in two different states in Australia, Queensland, which is legalized, and New South Wales, which is decriminalized. As the laws are in Queensland, I will say that for me, a privileged white person who was able to get on an airplane and fly to Australia, the system in Queensland worked for me I liked it I liked it a lot um, I was required to go to a medical clinic and get a screening but I did not have to provide so I went to the medical clinic and got a screening proved I showed my ID to the medical clinic and all that they did was sign saying I saw this person's ID and it matches this paperwork and that was that They gave me paperwork in my legal name and in my work name because the doctor was like, okay, so here's how it goes. Like some of the brothels are going to require you to show all of your ID and some of them are only going to require you to show your medical paperwork. But, you know, they have to prove that the medical paperwork belongs to you. Excuse me. So they have all these systems to protect the identity of the sex workers. So I showed my ID to the doctor. The doctor gave me paperwork in two different names. I went to a brothel in Queensland. I showed my paperwork to the manager. Now, the managers are under special regulation. The managers have different roles than the workers. The manager had to look at my ID to prove that I was over, I think 21 was the age there. And then the manager has to sign paperwork that is kept for the government inspectors. And the paperwork says, I am the manager. I sign off saying that the person under the stage name, Kimberly Klein, I saw this person's legal documents. I swear, at risk of losing my own license and even criminal penalty, that I checked this person's ID and they are over 21, period. They didn't have to photocopy my ID. They didn't have to keep any paperwork with my legal name on it. This is a really big deal. We don't want there to be databases of our legal names and our home addresses. This is bad news for sex workers. Mm. So I went to the brothel there. In the brothel there in Queensland, there's no indoor tobacco smoking allowed. There's no alcohol on the premises. So like the brothel can't sell liquor to the customers. The workers cannot keep liquor in their bedrooms. There are women in Australia who hate that system. They hate it, they think it is so wrong. They think that the rules in Queensland are so restrictive and so bad it doesn't work for them. I get it, it's not for everybody. I loved working in a tobacco-free brothel. I loved it. You know, strip clubs, brothels, um these places are full of tobacco smoke. It's like they make you go every week to get tested for STDs even though you're using a condom for everything. But they send you off to this dirty place where you're getting lung cancer. <laughs> it's silly. So, um so Queensland, good system. I didn't make tons of money there, but I was happy enough. Queensland makes it illegal. It is considered pimping to work together. So it's like two girls are working out of an apartment together, even doing a double. So one guy pays both of you to spend an hour with him. You two are pimping each other out and breaking the law. It is not okay to work together. So this is an example of something really stupid that happens under legalization that is just totally not okay. This is dumb. We keep each other safe by working together and sharing an apartment. So that's a big deal. I was in town for a sex worker conference in Queensland. They were initially at one particular location. Now remind you, sex work is legal in Queensland. There was a sex worker convention where nothing illegal was happening other than discussing like new orientation, how to become the when you with your mouth, among other like serious major political stuff. The hotel where the event was supposed to happen the day before the event said, no, we don't want you. They were able to discriminate, even though nobody was a criminal. They were able to just be like, no, we don't want sex workers here. So that's legalization. Um, or That's the one legalization environment I worked in. I think that there are a lot more negatives to that than I was able to display because I came from America where I'm treated like crap, and I was just so happy to go to Queensland and get treated fairly by a medical professional who said literally this doctor said to me do you know all of your rights while you're working in these brothels like that is just unheard of in America that's not going to happen here until we make the changes that need to happen um
0: so let me let me just I loved go that th-
2: experience okay yeah
0: so, so decriminalization just means leave us alone
2: yeah next time I'm talk about New South Wales which is decriminalized instead of legalized
0: oh so even in Australia they've got different systems in different That's
2: areas. what I'm saying. There's five states in Australia, five different regulatory systems. Those are the ones I'm using it as an example because I've actually been there. If we're gonna talk about German brothels, we should talk to a German brothel worker. All
0: right. Road trip. <laughs> Research. So
2: um, so New South Wales, on the other hand, which is decriminalized, um, the brothels there allow tobacco smoking, but they're required by law because it's a place of work. They have to have a designated smoke-free area for the employees. So that was a little bit better. I worked at two different brothels there, and one of them was like, full of tobacco smoke and completely disgusting. The other one was like really nice and there was a designated smoking area for the workers and you know what I loved about brothels out there Was that you don't have to go stay for two weeks. You can just go work a shift So like when I got to New South Wales I was able to just like sign up at these brothels and go work for six hours instead of having to stay there overnight or for days at a time similar situation now the the management is more heavily regulated than the individual workers so as an independent worker i was able to work out of my friend's apartment like i stayed with my friend at her house she has a separate room just for sex work it's completely decriminalized so i can work safely from there without her being at risk of pimping or keeping a brothel i could um see clients there i could go to, i could go to clients homes i could go to their hotels you know there were lots of options for me as an independent worker to do what I wanted. When I went into the brothels I had to do a similar thing like the manager needed to know my age but um, that was it they didn't have to write down my name or take a photo of my ID or anything like that. Um, They and that's it I mean That's the only big difference. Like the the place where it was legalized had like some weird arbitrary laws that heavily restricted the independent workers. But the brothel regulation is not that different except in New South Wales they're allowed to serve alcohol. No alcohol at all in Queensland. Um, This is what I want people to understand. When we're talking about legalization versus decriminalization, legalization harms independent workers. Legalization makes it so that you have to work under someone or else you're heavily restricted if you work independently like what i was saying about two girls sharing an apartment under decriminalization the workers have the most freedom to do what works for them which reduces the opportunity of coercion Germany, as I understand it, is legalized, not decriminalized, and it is in no way what I'm advocating for. But I'm also not going to demonize that system because I haven't worked there myself. I would love to hear what German sex workers think.
0: Cool. So in your experience when working in brothels, do you have the right to say no to individuals as clients? And if you say yes to a client, you have the right to say no to uh, various aspects of what they want to do?
2: In my experience working at brothels, every single man that walks through the door, every single girl there is hoping he will choose us. Because we're there to make money. Like, (laughs) you know, know, I don't know what people think about, like, oh no, you can't say no. I don't know what in the hell you're talking about. We want these guys to come. We want them to choose us. Now, somebody who wants anal sex, we want them to be able to say so. A bunch of us don't do anal. A bunch of us do do anal. We want that guy to be matched with the right person. Uh, you know.
0: So yeah. the consent really isn't the communication, the screening. The what do you want? I can do that. It's all. If Most it's
2: importantly, what you I'm need. To, and what is illegal in America is that communication. What's illegal in America is to say, I only use condoms for oral sex. I don't do anal. I I, I accept fingers, but I don't accept full penis penetration for anal to be able to speak that explicitly about sex acts and money is what's illegal that's how they catch us so those are the things that they use to prove an act of furtherance what they do is compromise our safety yeah yeah she asked more didn't she she asked like why don't i want to be around the politicians or something right yeah you want to go there yes please
0: (laughs) All right. Let me get to it. Uh, it was interesting that she's, oh, that's a counselor. I also found it funny that she doesn't want to spend time with her clients or with legislators unless they are paying her.
2: Not what I said.
0: So My without the money, she doesn't, So without the money, she doesn't want anything to do with them. So the sex is actually unwelcome unless she's paid. So that's not true consent.
2: I'm so happy that this question was asked. I really want to address it. First of all, Um, In that comment, I said, oh, I don't want to be around them unless they're paying me. Them in that context is politicians. And let me tell you about politicians as clients. Politicians are so used to people giving them things for free and accommodating them and hoping that they can, like, exchange favors for favors. They don't want to pay a full fee, okay? Every politician I've ever dealt with is trying to talk me down on my rate or – seeking some form of validation that I'll do things for him that I won't do for other people. Politicians are difficult pains in the asses who don't pay as well as they should. I, in my 20s, uh, pursued several politician clients. um, And this is, you know, these are people you get introductions to. It's not like they found my website. Um, Because of my political aspirations. I mean, my biggest dream in the world is that I'll meet like a reasonably wealthy man who thinks that the advocacy work I do is amazing and inspiring and will like be my sponsor, like help me be more effective by economically empowering me to focus on my political work. So when I was in my 20s, I was dumb enough to like pursue politicians thinking that maybe they would have connections or resources or do something for me. But really, these guys are so consumed with preserving themselves that I was never going to become like a pet project for them. So I've stopped bothering with them. I don't want to deal with any politician unless he is paying me because I don't like their attitude. I don't like their entitlement. That is not the same as me saying I don't want to be around any of my clients unless they pay me. I have found that screening the men who I allow to keep my company by charging has made my life better. If you ask even non-sex workers about what it's like to date heterosis-gendered men in America, <laughs> they're going to tell you it's frustrating and not very fulfilling. So. Um, True consent. True consent is when I say yes for myself and I leave space for you to say no for yourself. I don't judge your decision to say no. You don't need to judge my decision to say yes. I trust you to say to me, I feel violated and I need help. I don't need to come into your life and insist that you are having some sort of false consciousness because you don't recognize that you're a victim. You don't need to do that to me either. That's true consent.
0: Got
1: it. <laughs> so, Nathan had one question here in the, in the chat, which is, you know, Rose... Um, Rose responded to it, but we'd like to get your take on it as well, which is, no, that, uh, whoops, here it is. Read um, on the honest escort. Escorts don't necessarily have a higher sex drive than other women. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Escorts don't necessarily have a higher sex drive than other women. End of story. I mean, is that... <laughs> <laughs> seems, seems it's not a job requirement. You don't have. <laughs> I think maybe it helps. Um, I do have a high sex drive, and it's sometimes a setback um, because... When I go to a session, I need to be there to, uh, or often, the dynamic is that I'm there to accommodate somebody's particular sexual interest or whatever it may be. Often in these situations, there is not space for me to say, I would be into doing this, like this particular thing would be, I would be into it. Um, Sometimes there's totally space for that. Um, But there's never not space for me to say, oh, no, no, that's not working for me, or this needs to be softer, or... Don't stick your tongue in my mouth like that. Let me show you how to do it right. Like those parts are always there in in my practice. But often I'm doing like single direction energy where I'm generating my energy within me and sharing it. It doesn't always come back to me in, in sexually satisfying ways, which doesn't mean that I had sex I didn't consent to I mean think about it ladies how often do you have sex with your husband or your boyfriend and it's just not that satisfying did you feel raped no (laughs) like it probably felt like just another Tuesday so um, so yeah that happens at work too and and so as someone who has a high sex drive and like I want to get off like with other people present you know like sometimes I can find that I'm sexually frustrated after my sessions I, I don't find any of that to be a detriment. Um, I, I don't find that it makes me not want to have sex in my personal life. Yeah, you know, the thing, it's just, I, I'm so much more concerned about people's personalities and how they treat me than in the actual sexual exchange. And when, when the energy and the mutual respect are there, the sex is usually awesome.
0: All right I think we've got the last question of the evening and it's related to what you've said, so i I have my idea of what I think your answer is, but let's get it. For cool. a um, <laughs> do you really like the sex with these guys, or do you have to fake it?
2: Um, sometimes I really like it um i I'm not really like a theatrical fake orgasms kind of girl um if 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 what we're doing isn't getting me there, I'm usually like, hey baby, I'm gonna bust out my vibrator and like take this to the next level. And most guys are totally good with that. Um, and um you know, I'm a CPO sexual. So uh I enjoy sex the most with people who engage me in an intellectual level, uh, leading up to the sex and um I actually find that is more common in sex work than in any other kind of dating I mean sex work is really right for me Um, and it's not really right for everybody and to be successful in this work or to like be like a a highly esteemed person in this work you don't have to love it it's a job I'm lucky I just happen to really like it it worked out for me Um, you know I've been doing a lot of like ancestral work and researching my family's history and interviewing my family members and uh you know this work is not i'm not the first person in my family doing this work i'm not the last i've got younger cousins who have been in the business already so um i believe this is my calling And for women who don't feel like it's their calling and it's just what they need to get from point A to point B, I want them to have every right and privilege and access to everything that they need that I have. They don't have to love it like I do. I wish that they wouldn't resent me for loving it.
0: That I think that's a great note to wrap this up on, and uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm and because I, I was, I wanted to ask, like, is that sense of calling still there? And it is, so that I think yeah. that's fantastic. Because yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I that's what I wish for all my friends, people I meet. You know, I hope you end up in a job and in a lifestyle that that you love and you're passionate about, and
3: yeah. you are. cool,
0: awesome. So thank you very much for joining us, Kimberly. Uh, Always mind blown, expanded, uh, educated on things I know nothing about. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks, everyone, that's joined us live. We really active um, chat room. Thanks, everyone, that spoke up. Yeah. Um, super stuff. Apio, thanks for joining us and sharing your suddenly <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> my little
0: revelation. Yes. <laughs> your, your, your professional groping time, I guess. Right.
2: So. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Professional groping. Exactly. Thank you so much much to the participants, and thank you to Andy and Apio. This is so cool, and it was really such a privilege oh to participate. Oh.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. Oh. Um, so, Real Men Field will be live again next Tuesday, April 4th at 8 p.m. We'll be talking about Rites of Passage with our guest, Nikki Wilkes. Nikki is the Yay. founder of journeymen.us. Um, it's really cool. It takes, uh, it takes teenagers and young men in, into the woods and on mm-hmm. extravagant adventures to create Rites of Passage, which our society has really done away with. Yeah. So that's next Tuesday. Um, again, I think it brings our our sexcapades and talk of <laughs> sex work and escorting uh, pr- to an end for at least a while. Yeah,
1: for now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Until Apio discloses another aspect of his past. <laughs> right. <laughs> but thanks uh, nice again for joining us. Uh, always love your feedback, whether live, whether later, whatever. If you're listening to this in the year 2057, you know. Look up, look up (laughs) carefully.
2: If the world's still here by then, yeah.
0: Right. (laughs) So, have a great night, everybody.
2: Thank you so much. Good night. Good
0: night, everybody. Thank you for listening to Real Men Feel. Until next time, visit RealMenFeel.org, join the Real Men Feel group on Facebook, and share what you thought of this show. Please give this podcast a review on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you are discovering Real Men Feel reach out to us at realmenfeel at gmail.com. Learn more about Andy Grant at theandygrant.com
3: and Apio Hunter at apiohunter.com.